0: Share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. They offer tools and support five days a week. They will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic. Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.yagain.com And now your co-host, the Forgiveness Doctor, Doctor Michael and Jeannie Rice. To the
1: brightness within you and the truth that is rooted within me. Hi, and welcome, welcome to, Mind to Mind Shifters Radio. Radio. With, with the Forgiveness for Doctor. I'm gonna to have to mute you, Michael, because I'm getting an echo. Okay. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Doctor Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co host, along with Doctor Tim Hayes, and we welcome you to the show. Today is Wednesday, December twenty third. 2015, and their calling number is six four six two hundred four one six nine. Press one, and that puts you in queue to talk to us. And we would love to hear your comments and your questions because that makes this your show. Welcome, Michael. Welcome,
0: Michael.
2: Thank you, dear heart. Welcome, everybody. Hope that this holy day season is becoming holier and holier, is tapping you into higher and higher levels of aliveness, vitality. There's a lot of energy moving on the planet this time of the year for the awakening of true being, which of course is what our whole process together is all about, is awakening that state of real, true human life within ourselves so that... We live, as we are designed to live, as this awesome presence of love. And today, you know, we're looking at, uh, of course, with the holiday season coming up, that so many people uh, returning home, it's, it's sadly, it's a time of year that peaks with suicides and, and all kinds of challenges because people don't seem to have the tools to resolve the issues that... Live within them that are aroused by others that normally they perhaps stay away from. And so, if one engages in the use of the tool, in particular of forgiveness, old dynamics in the mind over time will be removed. You know, people oftentimes ask me the question if I believe in predestination. Are our lives all laid out for us and they're going to just unfold because that's the way it is? And I absolutely believe that our lives are all laid out and they're going to unfold and they're going to draw to us circumstances according to what we hold within us that will cause us to live in ways that are predetermined by the content of our minds the average person never awakening beyond that never finding the actual faculty of choice just live in that unfolding state you know how many how many times have we heard somebody say about uh, let's say a young man or a young woman perhaps separated from parents at birth or parents passed away at the birth of the child and 10 20 30 40 years later they say my god he's so much like his father she's so much like her mother what what's the deal what's going on there well literally stored within us as an energy system, is every thought, every feeling, every reality of every generation of our bloodline. And that's the predestination. That is what simply unfolds because it's in us. That's what, because it's in us, draws to us certain experiences, draws us to certain people, pulls certain behaviors out of people. And the possibility is that we can awaken a faculty called choice. And choice is a faculty with which we can select between the predetermined frequencies or the predestined things that we carry within us, or we can originate something totally new and different from what has ever been seen in the bloodline. But choice is not an event it's a process, and it's a process that only awakens through practice. You know, the first piece of work that I came in touch with when first starting to uh, study and work with this work was the writing of a gentleman named Maxwell Maltz, who was a plastic surgeon. He wrote a book called Psycho-Cybernetics. And what he wrote as a plastic surgeon was that he could change somebody's face, but the person would go on living with that old picture in their minds for a minimum of 21 days. And he then estimated from observing his own life that it tends to take at least 21 days to form a new habit or, quote, the way that he said it was, for an old mental image to dissolve and a new one to gel. Well, forgiveness certainly accelerates the process. And the question becomes, because it's it's almost been accepted throughout the world, that 21 days is what it takes. But actually, Maxwell Maltz didn't say it took 21 days. He said a minimum of 21 days. And there's actually a researcher named Philippia Lally at the University College in London and she published in the European Journal of Social Psychology that in controlled research it takes anywhere from eighteen to two hundred and fifty four days for people to form a new habit. So when you when you recognize that it is a process, you know If if you've lived out of carbon-based memory, if you've been driven by the habits of the past, if you've been pressured from the outside or driven from the inside by whatever content is in your mind, then it's going to take the constant, consistent, persistent application of choice to change those energy patterns and those habits. And they're saying the average is about 66 days. Now, we, over the years, have suggested people do five worksheets a day for 40 days. And uh, we're going to adjust that because some of the latest research is saying 66 days. So we're going to suggest that if you're going to actually start to change the predetermined energetic patterns in your structure, they're the ones that came from mom and dad and mom and dads, moms and dads, and back and back through the generations. You know, if if you remember that story about the Jews wandering in the desert for 40 years. You know, how does a bright group of people like this get lost in a 30 square mile area for 30 years, or 40 years? That that just doesn't make any sense. They weren't talking about a hot, sandy place. They were talking about habits. And when we get stuck in those habits, then it takes time to reestablish choice over habits. And so, the tool of forgiveness, which is the tool for collapsing, you know, when you, you look at what the world has told us about forgiveness, the world has told us that forgiveness is about how if there's something painful inside of me, I should let somebody else off the hook for the fact that it's there. You know, whoever told us that forgiveness is actually a tool with which you go inside yourself and remove the tendency, the habit of hostility and fear responses to situations and circumstances. You know, people will say, well, you know, why am I always, why is everybody always irritating me? It's because you have a habit of irritation. It's not got anything to do with anybody out there. It's just that when, and you'll notice that the irritation is there whenever there is something or someone that's not fulfilling a goal that you have for them. So you'll notice that you don't get involved in that habit unless there's a goal that you hold that. Someone is not fulfilling for you, and habit is driven by goals. If you want to establish a new habit when you find yourself in a state of mind with a response that you don't like, and of course, again, people say, oh, you know, well those people, they, always, they make me so mad, they irritate me so much, they upset me so much. No, they don't. In you is that mad or that irritation or that upset. And in order to free yourself from it, it's a dual process. Forgiveness empowers you to go in, collapse the picture in your mind that your upset or disturbance is about somebody else, take a hold of that disturbance or upset, and remove it from your structure. That's called forgiveness. The other side of the coin is to engage in a new practice and develop a new habit and that habit that we're suggesting that you establish that that practice that we're suggesting is that you practice choice you know yesterday we suggested practicing intolerance that you come to the point where you have no tolerance whatsoever for any form of hostility or fear based response inside of yourself and as you practice that You'll get to the point, if you actually stick to it for 66 days, every time your mind comes up with an hostility or fear-based excuse to be in disturbance, you'll stop, you'll forgive, and you'll go back to your choice to be peaceful. And so the habit we're going to suggest that you might take on today is that of choice and to choose to respond differently than the way that you have responded in the past. And that choice will not likely be automatic for a period of at least 66 days, and as this psychological research is saying, up to eight months. So we're going to suggest that you make a commitment to create a new habit. And the new habit is to exercise the choice to live as love rather than out of hostility or fear. And as you choose to live as love, then there will come a point where your mind will adapt to that habit and chosen response to live lovingly will become a new norm for you. So that's what we're here to support you in doing. And as you choose to do that, you get to live as a true human being. You know, our, our definition of a human being is hold a newborn child. And as you hold a newborn child, you get to experience the true, awesome, active presence of love and recognize that that's the truth of who you are. And as you choose to live as the truth of who you are, the mind takes time to adapt to that habit, to do something different than the responses of hostility or fear. And so we're here to support you in doing that and learning to remove through choice. Again, it takes time to exercise that, to do something different. The choice we'll invite you to do, and you can go to our website and pick this up. If you haven't engaged in the forgiveness processes yet, you can go to www.whyagain.org and In the middle of the page, you'll find a a red and white bullseye. You may have to scroll down a little bit. If you click on that, it will open a whole series of links that will walk you into the forgiveness process. But one of the other things that you'll find on the website is a thing called My Commitment. And My Commitment includes or involves a whole series of thoughts that empower choice and support you living as love. And so what I'd like to do is share this commitment with you, and with this Holy Day season coming up in the new year, know that
3: we are here
2: holding the space for this commitment to become a norm for you. So I promise to trust you enough to tell you the truth and be true to you. I commit to always be sweetness in your life, to nurture you daily and treat you lovingly, gently, and with respect in my thoughts, my words, and my actions, whether in your presence or not. In every interaction, I commit to affection for you, to look for and acknowledge the highest and best in you, and to surrender to love our true nature. My connection to my source, my relationship with you and our serenity will always be more important than any issue. I open my being to embrace you in my love. I open my being to be embraced in your love. If anything unlike love comes up, I will hold us in my heart and listen as I learn to speak, experience, and be responsible for my own realities. I am here for you and with you. I promise to keep communication open. And keep love conscious, active, and present as we heal, celebrate life, and grow together. Now, one of the things people say to me is, well, gee, how long would it take to do that? How often do you have to practice that? Well, my experience has been that sometimes I have to practice it 10 times a minute in order to keep bringing forward a choice to do differently than what I feel like doing. We have generations and generations and generations of feelings within us. And, you know, if you're heading off to the family gathering and there are feelings in you that you haven't resolved, they're going to come up. Those folks that you're going to be sharing this uh, space coming up over the holidays with, if there are feelings that you've related to them, then those feelings are going to be resonated in you. The practice will be, will you practice intolerance for any form of hostility or fear in your mind, and will you take this commitment and choose to do differently than what your mind tells you to do? You know, i often ask people, well, why did you do that? Say, well, I don't know. Well, but think about it. Why did you do it? Says, well, I I felt like it. Ah. So if you do things that you feel like doing that lead to trauma and drama, pain and turmoil in your relationships, in your life, does it make sense to do what you feel like doing? It makes no sense whatsoever. So stop. Don't ever do what you feel like doing ever again. Choose a way of functioning and then when you feel like doing something different, that will be the opportunity to exercise choice and choose to do differently. It will open a whole new vista in your world. And it will lead to the peaceful resolution of all kinds of dynamics that otherwise would seem unresolvable. And so we're here to support you in resolving what seem like unresolvable family dynamics, to be able to go to a family gathering And bring to the party a state of aliveness, joy, and peace. Bring to the party your human life, rather than old, unresolved feelings that developed in childhood and through, you know, perhaps abusive situations, what have you, to bring the truth of who you are. And what happens when you do that is everybody at the party will begin to heal. It's pretty awesome. And so we're honored, once again, that you're here with us today. And uh, Janie, is Dr. Tim with us?
1: He is, and before he comes on, I just wanted to let everybody know that Commitment, the easiest way to find it is right on the home screen just above the bullseye. You'll see a button that says Quick Print. If you click on it... There's the seven-step worksheet, there's the feeling wheel, the emotional chart, and then there's two commitments. One is the commitment that Michael just read, and the other one is the commitment to yourself that you read to yourself in the mirror. So the easiest way to get those is just click on that button that says quick print, and they're right there ready to print off. Welcome, Dr. Tim.
3: Hey there, young man. How do you be today? I'm doing quite well, thank you.
2: Awesome. Anything
3: exciting to share with us today? Well, I was enjoying the intro as usual and thinking about our discussion in our support group last night in Woodstock, and for whatever reason, the topic of between or or the the relative benefits of observation over belief came up again, and at one point, the... um, The discussion went around in circles so much that I came back to the idea that, you know, a word doesn't have any meaning. The thing that has meaning is what what resonates in my brain, and you would say in my brain cells from my past experience, the vibrations that I hear the images that come up in my mind only have meaning based on what my individual brain is resonating. So we we kept coming back to this and different people kept saying, but then isn't that a belief? And if you do that, isn't that a belief? And I finally had to say, wait, we're we're saying this word as though it has, you know, a substance or a meaning. Like if I handed you an apple in one hand you were holding an apple, and in another hand I I, I put a, a, a little frog, you'd clearly be able to see the difference. However, when I say the word belief, I have no idea what meaning that resonates in your mind, and you don't have any idea what it resonates in mine unless we get real clear about it. And if we start having an argument about what the real meaning of the word is, the probably the best thing to do is to just stop having a discussion about it. Just back away and breathe and just choose to either start again when we're calm or realize that we aren't going to convince each other of what the true or real definition of a word is because the word doesn't have that meaning The word is just letters on a page or vibrations in someone's ear, and actual meaning comes from my past experience or what I choose to hold on to or what I choose to identify with in terms of a set of thoughts that someone might then choose to call belief. So it led to a very animated discussion. And finally, one of our group members who's a teacher said that she's had this in the past and she realized she had to just step back and quit trying to convince people that because she was the teacher and she had the right dictionary that she knew what the meaning of the word was and actually step into feeling what the person wanted to say or communicate and what their feeling state was and start to explore that rather than argue about the meaning of the word so it was very very powerful to me a powerful discussion and i'm very glad we had it and another wonderful night in the support group and so perhaps you could say a few words either contesting or validating the concept that vibrations letters on a page spoken utterances don't hold meaning but the brain cells of the person who receives that stimulation
2: holds the meaning Well, there's a great line in The Course in Miracles that says, I have given this all the meaning that it has for me. (laughs) And that's true about absolutely everything. I take a look at somebody's face. Now, I may know them well enough. They maybe have explained to me and demonstrated what that look on their face means. But the truth is I'm still giving it the meaning that's in my brain cell structure. And, of course, it can be helpful to have a dictionary and everybody in the room agree that the words on that page are the meaning for that word. But it doesn't change the fact that that vibration coming out of someone's mouth, that, that energy pattern coming out and resonating the eardrum is still going to resonate. What I hold in my brain cells is a meaning. <laughs> and so that's a... Uh, an, an endless discussion if we're going to establish the meaning of a word because again the truth there are generally accepted meanings there are lots of ways we could define that and look at it but in the last analysis it's all the content that my brain cell structure brings to the party that gives meaning to what I perceive in the world. And the to me the really important part is that if my perception is constructed out of some form of hostility or fear, then that becomes my opportunity to change that part of my mind and therefore to heal, change the whole discussion, the whole situation. So that would be my take on it. And uh, we've, we've got, you know, if we, if we've got a million people listening to a word, everybody has different brain cells fire, therefore has a different meaning. And that, that creates so much turmoil and trauma in the world that it's just amazing. And when I activate choice and choose to bring my true being, love, to the party, I can bypass all of that and stand in this space of connectedness and love, which is where we really want to go and where we really want to live. Did that kind of fit with uh, with where you were going, Dr. Tim? Absolutely.
3: And, you know, one of the key things that you just said resonated for me was, Even if we get the dictionary out and everybody in the room agrees, okay, from now on when we talk about this word, this is what it will mean. Well, what's that definition made up of? Other words. Each of those words can have a meaning for everybody in the room that's slightly different or significantly different. It makes me think of a a time not too long ago in one of my sessions with somebody, and they said, well, you know, every time I think of this friend of mine who's deceased, I, I I still, even though it's been years now, I still get waves of sadness. And I said, well, some of those tools that we've already talked about that you know could be applied to that and remove that sadness, and he said, I want to get rid of it. And I said, okay, well then perhaps we aren't talking about the same thing. So I said, what do you mean when you say sadness? And by the time the person got done describing what he meant when he said, I get these waves of sadness, and tears would come to his eyes as he talked about it, what he was experiencing is something I would call fond memories, a rush of fond memories Warm feelings and a sense of connection to the person and his spirit, I wouldn't call that sadness. This person held on to that definition of sadness. So even if we get a room full of people together and everybody in the room agrees according to this dictionary this is what this means, again, we're just stringing together sets of words, and then once we leave that room and go interact with other people, they can all have different meanings for the words. So I'm I'm very grateful to have found this work and to know that what I'm using as a guide now, beyond what I had been conditioned to do in the past, is
2: am I feeling... I don't know if you can smell it in there, but it's really smelling... Strange and hot.
3: I have powerful words I guess. If I'm if I'm affecting you that far away. <laughs> Are you there, Michael? Or did you turn They're the mute actually working on air
1: air conditioner and he did not realize that he didn't have his phone muted and so he was telling the guy that I mean that we've yeah. not had air since we've been here, so
2: <laughs> anyway, That's apologies for that. That's all right. <laughs> that is powerful, Tim. Yeah, I am. I have.
3: A, I'm a very powerful creator and manifester. There
2: you go. Absolutely. And so, you know, you, it, it kind of when you really look at this discussion, it's reminiscent of. You can go back into the ancient scriptures where they talk about this group of people that's trying to build a stairway to heaven, which you know, it would be interesting to look into the Aramaic of that because I'm sure they're not looking at a physical stairway uh, made with a pile of rocks. But but that everyone was sent away from that, speaking a different language. And the truth is, we all speak a different language unless we're speaking the language of vibration, unless we're speaking from the language of intuition. Everyone on the planet, even you know, everybody who speaks English, has different brain cells fire for an experience on the the experience I use. And why is this happening to me? Again, we have a, I hold up a marker and say, how many see a marker? And everybody goes, yeah, I do. And I say, no, you don't. You see a picture in your mind, a perception generated by your mind. And, Let's imagine the young man whose mom was a wonderful school teacher and taught him art and you know was a one-room school for 12 years, and, and he has so many fond and wonderful memories that when I hold the marker up, he goes, oh, markers, yeah, I, let's go do some marker art. So he has one set of perceptions and a construct, literal construct, of the marker that shows up in his brain that for the average person would be, well, it's caused by the marker. Then we have a second young man who, you know, having gone through 12 years of one-room school with mom as the teacher, and she's pretty vicious and she's pretty nasty and wants to make sure that everybody knows how stupid her son is. And she uses markers, and every time that he steps out of line, she fires a marker at his head, and on at least two occasions, he turned his head at the wrong time and got a marker in the eye and ended up in the hospital. Now, when I present a marker, that young man has a meaning come to him. Certainly not the same one as the young man who you know, is the marker artist. The marker is only a stimulus. The, to me, the, the bottom line, the most important thing for us to get of this discussion is that if my mind holds a meeting that has some sort of trauma, turmoil, pain, hostility, or fear, I don't have to live with that. When someone gives me the gift of resonating, unless I want to stay in my habit mind, It's actually a line in the Lord's Prayer that can be properly translated from the Aramaic as, you know, remove me from my habit mind. And I can, when someone gives me the gift of showing me something based in hostility or fear, remove that, forgive that, and be freed of it. Because something based in hostility or fear in my structure is a disease, literally leads to creating a structure of disease in the cells in which it's stored. And so when I choose to engage in forgiveness, when I choose to engage in responsibility, and of course, this also leads to the question many people ask: is to, well, how do I tell if it's mine or not? You know, people go off to the family gathering and say, "Dad makes me so mad." It's like, well, who's feeling the mad? Oh, I am. Here's the test that will tell you whether or not what you're feeling is yours or not. Are you feeling it? If you are, then you know it comes from inside of you. Dad can't do that to you. Dad can certainly show it to you. But if you choose to engage in intolerance, be intolerant of hostility in your mind, and choose to forgive every time it comes up, if you choose to engage in the practice of choice and choose something different, to turn to Dad and purposely consciously connect to love and extend that love to dad then you're going to transform the experience of your relationship with dad that to me is the real essence of it and the the sweetness and the beauty of the work of forgiveness when we choose to engage in it and and become conscious instead of just living out of those old dynamics pretty sweet pretty powerful So it sounds like a great support group again last night.
3: I'm quite blessed to have the potential to meet with those people every week.
2: Yay. It's a lovely thing. Well, anything else to share before we check in and see if there are any hands up or anything happening in the chat room? I'm feeling good. Let's hear from somebody else. Great. Well, Jeannie, uh, is there anything happening in the chat room? Do we have anybody with a hand up in the phone queue?
1: No, it's real quiet on both fronts. Erica's the only one in the chat room with me, and so we wish her a Merry Christmas. Happy Holy Days. And there's several people on the switchboard today. Yesterday was kind of quiet. So if somebody presses one, you're first in line without waiting.
2: And Erica, we say hello and send our love and blessings and Hope that your family gatherings over this Holy Day season are wondrous and awesome. And if they give you any opportunities to learn forgiveness, that you truly engage in the practice of choice and clear out that layer, clear out that layer. And it's it's such an awesome gift to give the family. And, you know, sometimes those gifts come in the strangest ways. I was talking to someone recently, and they have a, a son. This woman has a son who also has a son. It's a small child. And she has tried to get them to eat well and, you know, stay out of McDonald's and eat organic. And and there's just been such angry resistance to that. And, uh, you know, all the excuses the mind can make up. You know, one of them that she shared with me this morning when we were processing around this is, well, my son just said, we can't afford that organic food and her response was we can't afford not to give the child organic food and all of a sudden there's a huge opening in the conversation with her son and the huge opening came about as a result of the son who's about two went to the dentist they took him to the dentist and his front teeth, front tooth, front teeth, were so full of infection that they wanted to pull them and they wanted to put a cap on a back tooth. And to do this, they wanted to wrap him to the chair. I don't know exactly what that means, but the impression that I get is you got to strap the kid in so tight that they can't move and they can do this invasive dentistry. And all of a sudden, the son gets a wake-up call. I mean, it's a pretty difficult thing to hear that that's what's going on with your child. And all of a sudden, it's, well, Mom, tell me more about it. Tell me, well, what's this organic stuff? What do we, what, what, what? And, you know, sometimes it takes that kind of a, a kick in the shins or perhaps more in the vernacular of the culture, a kick in the teeth to uh, to wake us up. And so... You know the situations that seem to be traumatic. If we'll listen with a mind of love, will always contain a gift. This is what's meant in the ancient scriptures by those who believe in love, the Creator. All things work together for good. If you're listening through a mind of love, the most disastrous circumstance will always give you a gift. If you're listening to a mind through the mind of hostility and fear, it'll be tough to get a gift out of it. And so sometimes life is fraught with opportunities and I like to say that sometimes it would be nice if life were not so fraught but it is so and and we need those opportunities because and take advantage of those opportunities then the end result of living in hostility and fear and blaming others always comes out in the wash always shows up in physiology as a disease, a disorder of some kind. And once out of our hostility and fear, we have built a disorder so powerfully in our so-called chemical cellular system that is it is identifiable as a disease. It takes a whole lot more energy to undo that than if we're willing to look at it earlier in the process. So the person who lives in denial and rails against everybody else and has no idea that their hostility and fear is literally building diseases into the tissue that the hostility and fear is stored in and that the structure of the tissue is changing and The sooner we're able to experience responsibility for those kinds of energetic patterns, because all that hostility and fear is is a warning signal that we're holding something in the structure that doesn't belong there. That's all it is. You know, imagine you were the creator. What would be, and and you gave this new creation called human a gift, and the gift was the ability with their minds, like you do as the creator, create. What an awesome gift that would be. And most people don't recognize that they are creators. Now, of course, everybody loves the idea that they're creators when the creation's going well, but when the creation's not going so well, they've always got somebody else to blame. But when you recognize that you're a creator made in the image and likeness of the creator then if you find yourself creating things off track, how do you know? Well, I'd offer that the creator in creating us gave us an awesome gift, and that is a red flag that goes up that says you are now in the process of creating something that you will not like when it becomes your structure, when it becomes your flesh and blood experience. The early warning system is hostility or fear. And if we'll listen at the early warning system, and instead of talking about them, stop and develop the habit of having a conversation about yourself. So instead of, you know, yesterday when you did this, you really made me mad and you better fix it and you better not do that again to stop. And and, and that conversation is what we call denial. And have a conversation that says, you know, yesterday when you said this and so, that brought up some fear for me. And I realize that fear is a flag. It's a red flag telling me that there's something inside of me that doesn't belong in me. Would you support me in healing my fear? Instead of storming off in a rage and, you know, <laughs> using untoward language toward others, what if your inclination toward untoward language your inclination to speak, you know, profanities toward another. What if you took that as a red flag inside yourself that says, wow, there's so much pain here that I want to curse that person out. Maybe I should take this red flag warning and go, you know, I always have thought and everybody always tells me what a nice person I am and how good a person I am, and how I've got it all figured out, and I've got it all together, but here I am wanting to say this vile thing to the person that I say I cherish and love the most. (laughs) Gee, maybe that's a warning signal that I've got something going on inside of me that I better start to work on, because if I don't, the tissue that that energy is stored in, is in the process of dying. Death is made up of engaging in hostility and fear, hiding it away in ourselves, and you just watch how pain starts to show up in this part of the body, that part of the body, and that part of the body, and pain's just a warning signal. You're engaging in an energy that doesn't belong in it. And so when you find yourself in the inclination, you know, people say, well, why, why do people irritate me so much? Well, nobody's ever irritated you. If there's irritation in you, then everybody can irritate you, quote, unquote. But what's really happening is that person is doing behaviors that resonate for you unsatisfied goals that are linked to irritation, so instead of getting up in the morning on the wrong side of the bed and looking through eyes of hostility at everybody, if you get up in the morning and you recognize you get out on the wrong side of the bed, as the culture says it, that you're in hostility, that you're, quote, unquote, you appear to be irritated by everything that's happening, especially your children, your spouse, your parents, whatever, that you stop. Stop. And you exercise choice. Do I want to live in irritation today? Do I want to look at this person I'm with through the eyes of hostility through this whole day? Do I want to be in this condition of disease? And if you can answer that question, well, you know, no, I really don't want to be. Then I'm going to start to look into my power person dynamics. And, and if I just make a note to myself of what were some of the things that I really detested my power person doing? Oh, man, I detested it when they got up out of bed on the wrong side of the morning and criticized everything that I did and told me how I couldn't do it right and told me how to do everything that needed to be done and wanted to totally control everything that I did. <clears throat> well, if that's one of the things you disliked about your power person and you haven't forgiven that energy as yet, notice when you get out of bed on the wrong side in the morning, you want to do all those things. Out of bed on the wrong side this morning just means that there are goals resonating in you that haven't been achieved, and they're linked to some form of hostility or fear. So that's the space to begin to speak about yourself. Gee, you know, I kind of feel like I got out of bed on the wrong side this morning, and I look at you, dear heart, that I just... Yesterday was filled with being cherished and delighted with you in my life. And now all of a sudden, you know, all you had to do was open your mouth and I was peeved at you. Hmm. You know, and and here goes the conversation. It's a conversation about self. You know, I can remember when I was a kid and my power person would look at me and every word that came out of their mouth toward me was that of being peeved. And so here I find myself doing what my power person did to me that I hated the most to you. And I want to apologize for that, and I want to clean that up. Would you support me forgiving that? Would you support me healing that? And that's how the opportunities to learn forgiveness comes. And that's where choice is practiced, the choice to communicate about self. Gee, you know, I got all this irritation up this morning. And I realize that, you know, just when I look at you, I'm throwing daggers. And, and when we say, you know, somebody's throwing daggers with thrives, what we're really saying is that energetically, what is moving in me is hostility and the high energy waves, literal measurable high energy waves that radiate out from me are poisons that I'm pouring on you. Gee, I notice you want to get away from me. If you look at how many people have lived together for decades and they spend as much time out of each other's space as possible. Why? Because one or the other or both are continuously throwing daggers. If you have a power person that did that, though you don't believe this about yourself, you've got to start to look truly and honestly and talk about yourself when you're upset and say, Hmm. if what my power person did was throw this kind of dagger every time the stress was up and the chips are down, then when the stress is up and the chips are down, if I have not literally gone in, spoken about myself, and forgiven all that in me, then when the stress is up and the chips are down, that's exactly what I'm going to do. And now I'm going to exercise choice, exercise forgiveness, do it differently, be intolerant of the hostility or fear in me, and live through choice as the active presence of love. Well, Michael, what if I say all that, but I don't mean it, and I don't feel it? Well, there's your work. You know who you are as the active presence of love, and if the the vibration, the energetic pattern of the power person of hostility and fear is so strong, then that will probably be one of your 77 times 70 worksheet issues. So as you go holidaying with people who perhaps you've got unresolved issues with, this will be your assignment and this will be your opportunity to look for those things that they can trigger in you. Again, how do you tell they're in you? You're feeling them. To look for those things that they can trigger in you, start to make note of them and determine where your work is. Your father, your mother, your sister, your brother, your aunt, your uncle has never made you mad. If you got mad in you, it's because you got mad in you. If you hooked it to your brain's image of them, then you can have a conversation about how they make you mad, but you'll be cut off from the ability to heal that part of you until you can stop and have a conversation about yourself. Hmm, here I am in my mad. That's mine. I choose to engage in forgiveness and I'm going to strengthen my faculty of choice by choosing to remember who I am as love and efforting as powerfully as I can to keep bringing love back into the space of my own body. Now, again, you may have to practice that one 10 times a minute for hours on end. If you're going to be hanging out with family through these holidays around which you have issues you've not resolved. But what an awesome gift to give yourself and family. Very powerful. And Jeannie tells me we've got a couple of callers, so let's say hello to our callers.
1: Okay, the first one's actually out of the chat room. And so they were wanting to know uh, if, and Mary, happy uh, Holy Days. Uh, She's joined us. We're looking forward to seeing her at the intensive in February. Um, The question is, how do you address Things that have already manifested physically, you talked about you know that it becomes your physiology, it becomes your diseases, but what about things that are already uh going on in your body that have already manifested in particular uh hair loss, and she says she's done a lot of worksheets um around her hair specifically and around fear of going bald, and she knows that some of it's related to stress, however. Uh, Lately, she's had a tremendous amount of things going on in her life, and it doesn't seem to be as predominant right at the moment. But what does she do about that? And um, perhaps you could also touch on the goal-canceling sheet, not the forgiveness um, wake-up sheet, but the one that you do on getting the stress that you need.
2: Great. Well, if we were in an intensive and that question came up, I'd be saying all of the above. You know, if you go back through, Jeannie just did a calculation and we're somewhere around 1,300 hours of radio shows in the archives. If you went back through all 1,300 hours and listened to every minute of it, I would not say one word other than to answer the question that you just asked. All 1,300 minutes, or pardon me, all 1,300 hours are the answer to your question. How do you do that? And, of course, there's a whole other level of motivation when we've built a strong enough pattern of hostility or fear that it manifests as such a cellular interruption that it's identifiable as a disease. Uh, we talked the other day, Dr. Tim had introduced a uh, an interview that was on a, an NPR site. It's uh, onbeing.org, O-N-B-E-I-N-G dot org. And uh, there's an MD and a psychiatrist along with a couple of other folks talking about healing and they don't talk about medicine at all what they talk about is here are the keys to healing love forgiveness community which means support food you've got to address all of those aspects and of course the core one being forgiveness if i have Built in, and, and let's let's go back a little bit if we and lay some foundation to this. If we go back to the original words in the Aramaic of the opening words of the Book of John, where we're told it says, "In the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh." In Aramaic, it says, "In the beginning was the mind energy, and the mind energy became flesh." It doesn't say word. It Says mind energy or willed action. So recognize that, and and let's bring let's bring that cycle forward two thousand years. We've now got cell biologists coming out of the lab who are saying that when you think a thought, the thought produces a molecule called a neuropeptide. The neuropeptide circulates around in your structure until it finds a cell with a receptor site that matches. It lands on the cell and the, the cell biologists are saying that the, the cell replicates the neuropeptide. I have a slightly different take. I do not believe the cell replicates the neuropeptide. What actually happens is the neuropeptide, which is nothing but a set of frequencies, inserts itself into the cell, and when it shows up in the cell, we see it as chemistry. It's energy, but we see it as chemistry in the cell. And so if the chemistry of the cell starts to deteriorate the cell to this the point where the cell has a certain deformity. And we have, you know, thousands of names for, for different cell deformities. Every cell deformity is a result of an energetic pattern in the cell. That's why it can be identified. And so what do I need to do? If my cells are forming in this type of disorder this type of dis-ease that structurally the chemistry of the cell is forming to look like this, then I start to become aware of what it is in me, and I always will have a warning system. And it will be my hostility and fear red flags. All of the energetic patterns that can come under the title of hostility and fear, rage, guilt, grief, terror, trauma, hatred, vengeance, and each time those things come up, do I? If I'm so far down the road, and 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 what I mean by that is, probably there are a dozen generations that have gone before me, hundreds of lives who've engaged in similar patterns. I inherited that pattern, so I started out with the cell. That they sell this as they say this is a genetic disease nothing genetic about it except it's just a frequency pattern passed from generation to generation and it's so well established in the bloodline that you know, babies come in with it and then the babies live in the environment where the thinking is the same the mind energy is the same, the beliefs tend to be the same, the behavior patterns tend to be the same and so the child grows up doing what their power person did and wonders why it has the family disorder so now my commitment is Every time the slightest bit of the variation on the theme of any form of hostility or fear resonates in me, I stop. I become intolerant of that. I choose to engage in forgiveness. I remove that frequency. I develop the skill. Now, my bloodline doesn't have a very good skill for removing that particular form of hostility or fear. That's why it's now in my structure so powerfully that we recognize it as a patterned genetic disorder. So I'm now bringing a whole new strength and skill into the family system. If it's been going on for 10 generations in my family, and you know I haven't sat down and calculated out how many people there are in 10 generations, but I'll tell you that in 30 generations of your bloodline, there are over 1.7 billion people. So it's been established by that so well that – From conception through the time of building my body, those quote-unquote chemicals are in the cells and create the disorder, I'm going to have to get pretty committed to start chipping away at them and removing them. What are the things that will support me in doing it? Choosing to engage in the active presence of love. Choosing to engage in the forgiveness process and nothing to do with the Greek idea of letting other people off the hook, get to the website, pick up the worksheet. It's under, you Go to the red bullseye, red-white bullseye, and click on it. It'll take you through the whole process. The tools are there. I'm going to, you know, when that chemistry, when that mind energy starts to move in me and it hurts so much, the family system says, well, what we do is we just junk out on sugar and then we don't have to feel it because we're anesthetized by sugar. Sugar and cocaine are similar in their activity. Actually, the uh the young the woman I was speaking about today shared shared with me that um when her son had to take his son to the dentist and was going through all this that he admitted to her that he wanted to drink. He wanted to anesthetize himself. So you've got to let go of the anesthetics. So your food, what you eat, what you put in your mouth becomes a real key in the process. Do you have community? Do you have a community of support? And that's what this radio show is all about. Do you have a community of support that will assist and support you in working through these issues when they come up? So all of these things become key in the process and are what the whole game is about. And it's a great question. If I haven't addressed it fully enough, let's start off with that question early in the show tomorrow. And by the way, we'll be going through Christmas Day and all. We're down to the last few seconds, so I'm going to have to close the show out. We appreciate you being here. Have wondrous happy holy days. New year coming up. Create the best year yet of your eternal life. Lots of love and blessings. Take care. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Doctor Michael Rice and his wife Jeannie, who present the internal Aramaic process of forgiveness. Michael and Jeannie are here every Monday through Friday on Earth Angels Radio. For more on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.